Now I thought during the, the next few weeks of January that we would continue on with the series that we were engaged in on Sunday afternoons, namely, Who is Jesus? And since there are a few weeks left in January and a few weeks left in the series, I thought they might coincide wonderfully together. And so this morning we want to consider this aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the heaven-preparing Son of God. Someone sent me a memo. I don't know why they thought that I might need it. As to the various signs that you're growing older or growing old. And there was a list and I'll share some of the ones that seemed applicable to me at the time. You know you're getting old when you're asleep but others are worried that you might actually be dead. You know you're growing old when your back goes out more often than you do. You know you're growing old when you're proud of your lawnmower. You know you're growing old when your arms are too short to read the newspaper. I'm getting more familiar with that one all the time actually. I need longer arms to read it. You know you're growing old when coffee seems to be the most important thing each morning. You know you're growing old when people call at 9pm and ask, did I wake you? And the list goes on of course. But we all are growing old. Maybe some of those apply to you and maybe there are others that apply. But you know, there's really no need to be worried or afraid of growing old. There is such a thing as age phobia, a fear of getting old. But really, for the child of God, there's nothing to be afraid of. When it comes to looking at old age as it approaches, we ought to be... As one man of whom I read who having lived a very full and engaging life looked at his increasing years and said I enjoy celebrating my birthdays and I'm not worried about the alternative because when that time comes I'm ready to leave this world and to head to a better place. And certainly for the Christian, those that know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, there is a better place that is waiting for us. Indeed, it's not only better, it's perfect. And it's a place that the Lord Jesus Christ is currently preparing for his people. You'll notice there in verse 2 of John 14, that the Lord Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And so as we seek to answer that question that we've been looking at over the last number of weeks, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? We have noted already that he is the eternally divine Son of God. He is the virgin-born Son of God, the miracle-working Son of God. The crucified Son of God, the resurrected Son of God, the ascended Son of God, the interceding Son of God. And this morning we want to consider that he is the heaven-preparing Son of God. I go to prepare a place for you, the Lord Jesus said. To make ready a place. To make it 
ready for your arrival, for your coming. If you ever have guests coming and you know in advance, you make ready. And the Lord Jesus is preparing a place for us in God's heaven. Of course, during his earthly life, the Lord Jesus worked as a carpenter. And we might say he's still in the business of building houses. He's preparing a place for those that know and love him as Savior. He's preparing heaven for his children. So what might we say about that place that the Lord Jesus is preparing for his people? Well, we might refer to it as our supernal home. Now, what do we mean when we say supernal? Well, we're talking about heaven, ultimately. The Lord Jesus is preparing for us a heavenly home. I'm reminded of what we read of Abraham in the book of Hebrews. It says in Hebrews 11 and verse 10 that he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now when we think of Abraham, we think of one who pitched his tent everywhere he went. And some days he would take down his tent and move to a new location, perhaps to find fresh uh, fodder for his flocks and his herds. But he had no temporary, he had no permanent dwelling place here upon the earth. He lived in a tent, a temporary structure. But we're told that he looked for a city, a city that had foundations that couldn't be uprooted and lifted and moved. A permanent dwelling place whose builder and maker is God. And Abraham was anticipating and waiting for that permanent abode. A place built by God for his people. Now we're told here in John 14 that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who is the architect and the builder of our heavenly home. And I want you to notice how it's described. The Lord Jesus described our heavenly home as being the Father's house. It's the place where God dwells. Now in Isaiah 33 and verse 5, we're told that the Lord is exalted for he dwelleth on high. He dwells on high. And the Lord Jesus said, I'm going to the Father's house to prepare a place for you. A literal place. The word place there in our English Bibles comes from the Greek word topos. We get our English word topography from it. And it means the study of a location or a place. Heaven is a real place. It's not simply a state of mind or a condition or an, or an aspiration of an ideal. It's a real place. It's just as real as what Kingston is. Or what Hobart is. It's a place that's real. And Christ is there. Now literally preparing. A place for us. In the Father's house. Now while we. Do not know where heaven is. Actually. It is a place on God's map. And he knows where it is. The Bible always typically refers to heaven in an upward direction. 
For instance, in Psalm 139, in verse 8, the psalmist said, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. So he thinks of going up to heaven. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 3 speaks of ascending into heaven. We think of heaven as an upward location. Paul referred to it, of course, very famously as the third heaven. So we can think of the first heavens as being the heavens all around us, the place uh, where the birds fly, the first heavens. And then beyond that, we have the second heaven, where the planets and the stars are located. And then when we think of the third heaven, we think of somewhere beyond that still, the dwelling place of God. The place our Savior refers to as the Father's house. I I love how one has put it, he says, we see the first heaven by day, the second heaven by night, and the third heaven by faith, the Father's house. But it's more than just the Father's house, it will be the family house. The Lord Jesus said, I go to the Father's house, and in the Father's house there are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. Now typically when we talk about the Father's house, we We're thinking of the home place. The home place. And the Lord Jesus is saying he's preparing a place for us in the Father's home place. And it's more than just a house. It's our residence. It's the place where the family dwells. And the idea of the Father's house carries with it uh, a domestic connotation. It's not just the father's house, it's the family house. It's where the family lives. Now, the Lord Jesus is drawing on a picture that uh, his disciples would have been very familiar with. In those days in Israel, when a son got married, the father would add a new wing onto his house. And when another son got married, another wing was added, and another wing, until eventually there would be a a circle or a a round of homes all joined together around a central patio area in the middle where the family would all uh, congregate and mingle and meet with one another. I did see a somewhat humorous example of that when we lived in South Australia. We we were brought to a farm and one of the farm labourers' houses and we were told the history of it, that each time that a new son or a new child was born to the family, that the owner would add on a new room to the house. And as we were walking around the house, there was one room that had a little box on the side of the wall. And we asked, well, what's the meaning of that box? Is that perhaps where the air conditioner sits? He said, no, no. What happened? They built the room too small. And as the sun grew, he couldn't lie down in it any longer. So he put a box on the side so that he could stick his feet in it when he was sleeping at night. Well, when it comes to the Father's house, when the Lord Jesus is preparing a new wing, if you like, for each of his children, it won't be too small. It will just be perfect for us. And we will have our place in the Father's house, in his residence. Now the wonderful thing is that there are some of the family that are already there. But one day the whole family will be united in the Lord. 
We have brothers and sisters in Christ that are already at the Father's house. They're already in their, in their mansions prepared for them. I can think of grandparents that are already there. And I'm, I can tell you I'm looking forward to seeing them again. And I'm sure that there are those on your hearts that have gone before that are in the presence of the Lord. And to know that we'll be joined together with them in the Father's house, in the family home. We can praise the Lord that there's coming a day when the whole family united in Christ will be able to sit down around the table of fellowship together and rejoice in the communion of the saints in the presence of the Lord. The Lord Jesus is preparing uh, the family house for us. It's not just the Father's house and the family house, it will be our future house. In Philippians 3 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul says that our conversation is in heaven. And he's not talking about our speech. The word conversation simply means our community or our citizenship. He's saying that heaven will be our homeland. And the same idea is there with Abraham who was simply passing through this world as a pilgrim and a stranger with no permanent abode. Heaven will be our future homeland. That's why we, we wait patiently and earnestly for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's our moving day. That's the day when we leave this world behind and enter into, our, into the Father's house to be with him forever. There will be no separation there. There will be no leaving. We have a bright prospect ahead of us. Our future is secure. And while we may love our earthly home, there's no place like heaven. I'm sure you're familiar with the name of Matthew Henry. I suspect that many of you have a copy of his Bible commentary somewhere at home. Uh, and if you don't, can I encourage you to get one? It's, it's really worth that investment. Well, when Matthew Henry was a young man, still poor and unknown, and yet to write this great commentary that would see his name remembered through the ages, he wished to marry a young girl who was from a, a much wealthier background than himself. And the young lady's father really didn't approve of the marriage. And he argued that while... Matthew Henry was obviously a very good scholar and an excellent preacher. The father said, we don't know where he comes from. And his daughter replied, but father, we know where he's going and I want to go with him. We can thank the Lord that we can know where we are going. To know that when we step off the shore of this world that we will set foot upon heaven. When we place our hand in the hand of God, we know that he will lead us to the Father's house. To know that there will come a day when we'll take that first deep breath of the celestial air and we'll know that invigorating and, and health and immortality that's found in Christ. That we'll pass through the storms of this life and enter into the unbroken calm of heaven. 
to be able to say we're home. Home at last. Heaven is our supernal home. And it will be our eternal home. Being a preacher, I've made a number of moves in my life. I've moved from one side of the world to the other and back again. And I've made the return trip once more. Made a number of moves. And one of these days, I'll make my last move. And it will be a last move because the place that the Saviour is preparing for us is our eternal home. We'll never leave it and we'll never want to leave it. And in our eternal home, we will enjoy the presence of the Saviour. We've quoted already from John 3 and verse 13, but let me refer to it again. The Lord Jesus said, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in heaven. That is his dwelling place, that is his home. And he says that he's coming to gather us unto himself. Heaven is the eternal dwelling place of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we are brought there, then we will abide in his presence and enjoy it for all eternity. In fact, in Revelation 21 and verse 3, we read that, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. We will dwell in the presence of God. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of heaven. And the city has no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. In our eternal home, we will bask in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, said that the light of heaven is the face of Jesus Christ. The joy of heaven is found in the presence of Jesus Christ. The melody of heaven is heard in the name of Jesus Christ. The harmony of heaven is the praise of Jesus Christ. The theme of heaven is the greatness of Jesus Christ. And the duration of heaven is the eternity of Jesus Christ. Our Savior is the very fullness of heaven itself. It's his presence that makes it heaven for us. It is our eternal hope. And he is preparing it for us. I go to prepare a place for you. He's making ready for us. Ladies, you know what it's like when you have guests coming and you go to make things ready. And all things are being prepared now for the Lord's children coming home. There is a kingdom and we are waiting for it. And in the kingdom of God to which we are going, there is no lack nor want. There is nothing missing. All of the joys of heaven are there for us. Everything's being prepared. We will feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be clothed in the beautiful garments of Christ and his righteousness. The praise of the Lord will be heard throughout that kingdom. 
Everything has been made ready. Thomas Watson, the great Puritan, said that in the kingdom of heaven there is glory. There is knowledge without ignorance, holiness without sin, beauty without blemish, strength without weakness, light without darkness, riches without poverty, ease without pain, liberty without restraint, rest without labor, joy without sorrow, love without hatred, honor without disgrace, health without sickness, peace without war, contentment without end. Oh, the happiness of those that die in the Lord. The book of Revelation tells us that everything that brings sorrow and tears will be absent from heaven. In the presence of the Lord, the psalmist said, there is fullness of joy. There's nothing missing. That's why the Apostle Paul could say in Romans 8 and verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. When we think of the things that we have to endure through this life, Paul says compared to the glory that awaits us, there's no comparison. The Lord Jesus is preparing and providing for us an eternal home of blessing. There's a story told of a missionary. He and his wife were returning to their homeland after many, many years of service for the Lord on the mission field. And as they were returning, they happened to be on the same ship as President Theodore Roosevelt of America at that time. He was returning from Africa from a hunting expedition. And as the ship arrived in the docks of New York, there were thousands that were there to greet the returning president, there to cheer him. No one was there to welcome the missionary and his wife. Those who had given their lives for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the sharing of those glad tidings. No one there to greet him. No one to welcome him home. The missionary felt a little bit envious, discontent. He's mentioned it to his wife and he says, it doesn't seem fair. Is this all the welcome we get after returning, after all these years from the mission field? His wife very wisely said to him, why don't you go and pray about it and talk to the Lord about it? He slipped into a little room and after a while he came out and she said, are you feeling better now? He said, I told the Lord that it didn't seem right. Having served him all these years and to come home and for there to be no welcome here to receive us. And yet there were thousands on the dock to receive a president back from a hunting trip. She says, well, what did the Lord say to you? He said, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Oh, there will be a great coronation day. A great welcome. In this world, there are disappointments and heartaches 
But child of God, remember this, you're not home yet. There is a supernal and an eternal home that is awaiting you. That the Lord Jesus has gone to prepare. And in that day when you're brought to the Father's house, there will be rejoicing. Now I want you to notice one last thing from our text. Not only is Christ preparing a supernal home, a home in the heavens, and an eternal home, but he's preparing for us a personal home. We look again at verses 2 and 3, the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, sometimes we can use the word you to mean you all. The word here is the singular. I go to prepare a place for you and you and you and you and you and you. The Lord Jesus is preparing a place that's not just for all the family, but also one that's very personal for us individually. He's preparing a place just for you. You notice that he says that in my father's house are many mansions. Heaven is a place of many mansions or numerous mansions. The book of Revelation tells us something of the dimensions of the new Jerusalem which is a part of heaven. It describes it as being 12,000 furlongs long 12,000 furlongs wide, 12,000 furlongs high. And I know you're scratching your head saying, what exactly is 12,000 furlongs? Well, it's approximately 2,220 kilometers. So the New Jerusalem, the great city, is 2,220 kilometers wide, long, and high. That gives it a, a surface, a, a base area of 5 million square kilometers, the city of the New Jerusalem. Let me give you something by way of comparison. Melbourne is 10,000 kilometers square. So imagine a city so large that it would cover approximately three quarters of Australia. You get the idea that it's it's a large place, a massive city. The Lord Jesus says, I go to the Father's house, and in the Father's house there are many mansions. And in that city of many mansions, one of them is mine, and I hope that there's one set aside for you also. And one of the boys was telling me during the week that Elon Musk has been declared this week as the world's richest man. And he has a net worth of $242 billion, that's Australian dollars. Well, recently he sold one of his houses for $29 million, 1,500 square meters, seven bedrooms, 11 bathrooms, lavish gardens, swimming pools, spa, and of course, a multi-car garage for all his Teslas and all the rest. It was a place of luxury. Now, I don't know what our mansions in heaven will be like. But I suspect that Elon Musk's house will pale in beauty and value compared to the mansions the Saviour is preparing for us. 
I don't know how many square meters you will have or what its fixtures and fittings will be, but I know that if the Lord Jesus is preparing it for his children, that it will be perfect and it will be all that we will need. The only question that remains is this, is there a place reserved in heaven for you? Can you say with assurance this morning that when my time to leave this world comes, be it through death or the return of Jesus Christ, that I am ready? I am ready to meet him. I am ready for heaven. Remember, nothing that offends, nothing tainted by sin will ever enter that place. If your sins have not been forgiven, there is no place reserved for you. How then can you be assured of a place in heaven? Well, the Lord Jesus, of course, gives us the answer. And he says to his disciples, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. We can be thankful that one of the disciples, a little bit slower than the other, says, but how do we know the way? How can we be sure? To which the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, except through me. If you would have a place in heaven, a mansion in glory, an eternal home where sickness and sorrow will never intrude, then you must find your way to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only Savior. He is the only hope. Forget about church attendance. Forget about good works. Forget about doing your best. None of those things will ever take you to the heaven of God. Recognize that by ourselves that we are lost and undone. That our only hope of heaven is through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where he paid the price and the penalty of our sins. Through the shedding of his blood he would wash away our guilt and our iniquity. And that by faith we call upon him to save us. And to bring us to the Father's house. That by grace, through faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone we are looking for the heaven of God. He is the heaven preparing Son of God. He's preparing it for those that know and love Him, for those that have called upon Him. We urge you this morning, if you haven't already, that you make this a day on which you will call upon the Lord and know the promise of the Scripture. They that call upon the Lord shall be saved. May the Lord encourage us with His word this day. We ask in the Savior's name. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our